let's go back to uh, Judges chapter number one and uh, began this morning with this uh, thought, what is going on? And tonight we kind of pick it up, uh, we'll go back and maybe review a little bit, uh, maybe some of us uh, just need to uh, hear it again or maybe uh, some of us were not able to be here this morning or might have been in ministry in other places of our building here. But I think about this situation that's going on in the history of the nation of Israel in, as we come to the book of Judges in the Old Testament of our Bible. And the Bible says here in Judges chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 1, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And so as the, you get into the book of Judges, and I mentioned this morning that really this period that we're looking at historically, Bible history, is one of the darkest periods in Israel's history because as the Bible tells us here in chapter 1 that they were without a strong, godly leader at this time. Uh, the Bible tells us in Judges 17 that in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Uh, man left to himself will self-destruct. Uh, the Bible is clear that a man will find himself in deep trouble as did Israel in their day. I, I think about all the things that the Word of God tells us about all the things that God did for Israel, the way that God brought them up out of the land of Egypt and how God, uh, God led them by uh, the way, even though they took a detour, which was not up to God, it was man's fault, but God had done so much for them, and yet what did Israel do in return? Israel denied the Lord. Israel began to defile the land. Uh, Israel began to uh, defy the laws of their God. And as a result of that, God, who loved them so much, was forced to have to deal with them. And this is something the Bible tells us, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. As a loving father, God had to deal with Israel as a nation, as a people. And then I think of Again, the example of Israel, and I look at our nation, and I mentioned many things this morning, but, but when I think of America today, yes, America has had a great beginning, an amazing beginning to our nation. Uh, if I did my math right, about 244 years or so, but America's got to the place where she too has denied the Lord. America seems like every day it's turning its back more and more on the God who actually formed her. This morning we learned from Israel as an example how God began to, 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 to deal with them, but this na national disaster, because they were moving away from God. God began to confront their sin. And we talked about how that they were a nation that, like America, began with a glorious conquest and how God promised to them this land that he promised to them, but they would have to claim it by faith. And as they were enjoying that beginning in their 
life as a nation, they enjoyed many things. I mentioned four things that they so enjoyed, just like America has in the early days of our nation, they enjoyed the providence of God. The Bible says that God instructed them, told them, I have delivered. God was the one that provided for them. He was the one that protected them. They enjoyed God's protection. The Lord was with Judah. It was God that drove out the inhabitants of the land. God was actively involved in helping Israel to conquer the land. God not only prepared the way, but the Bible tells us that as they were in the way, God was protecting them. Aren't you glad for the protection of God on your life? I think about so many things I can look back on. Sometimes we don't realize it while God is doing that. But we can see God's hand of protection on our family, on our lives. And in the early days, Israel, they enjoyed the providence of God. They enjoyed the protection of God. They enjoyed the power of God. All of what was happening, it was evident. It was not Israel, it was the God of Israel. You think of people in the Bible like, like, like David with Goliath and how, uh, yes, David went and got some st smooth stones out of the brook and David was the one that, yes, maybe put it in the sling and David might have been the one that, that slung that, sl that sling and that stone, but it was God that guided that stone. And it was that stone that took that giant down. And again, Israel could clearly say, and I think America can too, that we are what we are today because of the power of an almighty God. They were enjoying that. They also enjoyed God's promises. One of those great promises that God had made to Abraham back in Genesis 12 was that God would give them the land and give them a place that they could call their own. And as we come to Judges chapter number 1, what are we seeing in the beginning of this book in our Bible is that God is fulfilling that promise that he had made to them. And so they were a nation that was marked by a glorious conquest. They were enjoying God in their lives as a nation, as a people. But then we also saw this morning that they were a nation that was marred by a gradual compromise. You see, the Bible tells us in Judges 2, in verse 7 and verse 10, that the people served the Lord. Remember how they served the Lord all the days of Joshua. They served the Lord all the days of those that followed Joshua. But as soon as those people passed off the scene, the Bible tells us that there was another generation that arose after them that knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he, God, had done for Israel. This older generation that had seen the mighty hand of God, that had seen God lead them in the way and protect them in the way, and that understood the power of God, and that God was keeping his promises, that generation, the older generation was passing off. And I think about how so many in our day that I've had to, in my lifetime, to say goodbye to some of those. I think about Brother Gilbert. I was over at his house, and so many books Brother Gilbert had in his house. I'm going to bring maybe next week, maybe next Sunday, I might have a table out there 
because I know Brother Gilbert would have wanted something like this, I'm going to bring the books that Brother Gilbert had, and any of you that want them for your own Bible study, reading, or whatever, you're welcome to them. Book after book after book. Brother Gilbert studied the Bible. He's one of those people that every room that you went into that Brother Gilbert spent time in, there were books in there. There were books beside the chair. There were books on the table. There was books in his bedroom. Everywhere you went in the house, where he was, there were books. And I think about how so many of this generation ahead of me are now with the Lord. And I constantly think to myself, is there a generation that's taking their place that knows the Lord? That has seen the works of God the way the generations before me have. But the Bible describes here in Judges 2 that there arose a generation that knew not the Lord nor the works that he had done for Israel. This new generation that was coming to age, they had forgotten their heritage. They had forgotten about the Lord God that had, that had helped them to be what they were and they were denying who he was and as a result, this was a steady, slow descent in the area of compromise. They were warned by God, we saw that this morning, that they were to drive out all the inhabitants of the land, every last bit of it. But if they failed to drive out the inhabitants of the nations, they would be afflicted by God himself, that God would turn against them, and that became a reality. Why? Because remember those people, the Canaanites, and how the Bible says that they feared the Canaanites. There was something about that. The real issue wasn't those chariots of iron that we talked about this morning. The real issue was their, their lack of faith, their fear that they had, their disobedience to God, their unbelief. They not only feared the Canaanites, but they favored them. Remember how they, the Bible says they made them their tributes or tributaries. They put them to work. They did not get rid of them. They actually kept them around. They favored them, and then they frequented them. The Bible says of quite a few of the tribes of the nations of Israel that they dwelt among the Canaanites. Folks, look, God has always wanted us study the Word of God. He wants us to be separate from this world. That's something that's not preached or taught in most churches or most pulpits today is that God says, I am a holy God, therefore be ye a holy people. Touch not the unclean thing. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. God has always wanted us to be separate from this world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And yet, what did Israel do? They became comfortable with a vile and wicked practices of the Canaanites. They began to accept the Canaanites for who they were. Folks, that is, uh, that is accepting, that is compromising is what that is. That was settling for the things of this world. And as a result, there was no fixed standard in the nation of Israel because of who they were, they were allowing into their lives. There was no right, no wrong, much like we see in the world today. No absolutes. People doing what they wanted to do, doing as they please. And this generation, this new generation did not know the Lord. They did not know his works. 
There was no clear standard of right and wrong, and the door was wide open for people to do as they pleased. They began to call evil good and good evil. To put darkness for light, light for darkness, to put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And because of that, because of that compromise, however or how fast gradually it was, Israel was paying a high price for their disobedience. Folks, I'm telling you, you think of America today, and America is already, in my opinion, paying a price. But the price is going to become a higher price the farther we go, and God would not come back for us at this particular time if the Lord stays. So I see here that they became a nation, thirdly, that was maimed by grim consequences. Now go back in your Bible in chapter number two of the book of Judges. And I want you to see some verses here. We looked at a couple of these this morning. The Bible says in verse number one, And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. See, because of their sin, they as a people faced the Lord's judgment. They faced the judgment of God on their lives. Notice what happened to Israel and I'm thinking tonight as we looked at, look here at what happened to them that America may find itself seeing the same thing happen to her as happened to Israel if we as a people do not repent of our sin because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. Now I know if we're saved, we're saved for all of eternity, but there is going to be consequences that come as we turn our backs on God the way Israel did here in the Old Testament. So notice a couple things about how they became maimed by their grim consequences. Notice because of the consequence, or excuse me, because of the compromise, they endured a divine sentence. A divine sentence. The Bible says again in verse number three that God said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your side. And their gods shall be a snare unto you. What is God saying to them? Listen tonight, not only church, but maybe those that are listening, but America as a whole needs to listen to this tonight, that God here is vowing that he will remove his protective hand from the nation of Israel. God's making a promise to them that he would allow the Canaanites that had compromised with, they had compromised with, to be a thorn in the side of Israel. 
Now, when you see this, and if you look at it again in verse number 3, if your Bible is like mine, and you see where God says, but they shall be as thorns in your side. Do you see those two words, as thorns? Are those words italicized in your Bible? Now, a lot of times people say, well, somebody added that. It wasn't there in the original. But you know, when you go to study the Word of God, what you find is, is that the meaning was already there. It was implied by God. And let me show you where that came from, why the, 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 as they translated the Word of God into the English language, why those words were put there. By the way, if they didn't want you to know that they were maybe not there, those words in the original, then they wouldn't have italicized them to draw attention to them. They, they did justice to the Word of God. They weren't changing the Word of God. But where they got that from was in Numbers chapter 33 and verse 55. Look at that verse. We saw it this morning. But if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. So from Numbers 33, verse 55, you see then verse number 3 of Judges chapter 2, how the Bible says that God says, I'll remove my hand of protection, and those that you have been compromising with, he says that they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare. I don't have time tonight to talk about all the gods. I realize that one of, the, one of the things about our nation is freedom of religion. But many times people have brought all kinds of false gods into our country. And people have the freedom to worship as they choose. But listen, tonight can I beg you to make sure that we are worshiping the only one true God and not the gods of this world. I see here how God says, I will give a divine sentence that those that you allow, those false gods of Canaan, that they're going to be a snare unto you. Can I tell you tonight that we who live in the United States of America, that we can expect no better treatment than God gave to Israel. Whatever God did to Israel God could do the same thing to us as a nation. God could remove his hand of protection from our, our nation, and God could allow the judgment. And we see, even in our nation today, God's judgment beginning already. Look in these areas that we see, and I, the, I, there are so many things I could say here, but I see how God's judgment, his divine judgment, is already on our nation militarily, how we are vulnerable to attacks not only outside our country, but inside our country. You think about 9-11. Some of those people that flew those planes were trained right here within our nation's borders. Every day, America's enemies grow stronger and bolder. Not only are we seeing God's divine judgment militarily, but how about economically? People are struggling day in and day out, losing their jobs, trying to make ends meet, just trying to provide for their families. We're struggling militarily. We're struggling economically. We're struggling culturally. We see this as a part of 
I believe God's divine judgment in our country, how divorce rates have quadrupled in the past 30 years. Teen suicide has doubled. Violent crimes have risen 500%. One out of every three children today are born to single mothers. In some cities, the illegitimacy rates are higher than 80%. We are being judged by God in this this country culturally. How about morally? We are totally bankrupt morally as a people, as a nation. Our government spends millions, millions of dollars every year teaching children how to use contraceptives, and then at the same time, they're attacking those that are abstinent. Things are backwards. They're calling good evil and evil good. God's judgment is being seen spiritually in our nation. We are in a deplorable condition. The Bible and the prayer have been removed long ago from our schools, and the Ten Commandments continue to be under attack in our nation. They are considered a thing, an archaic thing of the past. We're being attacked naturally. You look around. Does it amaze you like it amazes me every day? We hear of, of course, hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, tornadoes, wildfires, fierce storms that are afflicting every part of our country, every part of this world. This year alone is only the second time, I think, they said that they've actually already gone through the hurricane uh, names that they name every year, and they're now on the the Greek uh, names, and and if they get through them, they just go through them again. I mean, it's storm after storm. It's fire after fire. Thousands of acres being burned. They said that most of the fires, the wildfires out in California, which are not uncommon this time of year, are being set by arsons. Folks, the world, our nation is out of control. I think about all this, the military, the economics, the culture, the morals, the spirituality, naturally, all of these things, I believe, are just clear indicators, signs of God's impending judgment on our nation. And the fact is that God, I believe, is already removing his hand of protection. But can I tell you, listen, that's not God's fault. That's our fault. We have nobody to blame but ourselves. Jeremiah said, thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. You know what we're doing today? We as a people, we are reaping the crop that we have been sowing for over a hundred years. You see, if you're going to plant what we've been planting, then you're going to reap what we've been planting. We're sowing, as the Bible tells us, God says, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Old Testament prophets said, we've sown to the wind, and guess what we're doing? We're reaping the whirlwind. See, Israel as a people, they endured a divine sentence, and as a result of that Enduring that divine sentence, they then began to express a deep sorrow. Look back in chapter 2 of Judges, and the Bible says in verse number 4, And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words, 
unto all the children of Israel. The words that he was going to remove his hand. The words that they would be thorns in your sides. And that their gods would be a snare unto you. When the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel. That the people lifted up their voices. And they wept. And they called the name of that place Bochim. And they sacrificed there unto the Lord. The word Bochim. It literally means weeping. A place of weeping. They realize God's divine sentence. You know, that's the problem with America today. We don't realize that God is judging us. We just can continue to live a life of sin, acting as if there is no God, that there will be no judgment that comes from God. But at least the children of Israel realized in the book of Judges that God was judging them. And the Bible says they wept. They called on the Lord because of their sin. Repentance is the only hope that a nation has when they are off in sin, when they have walked away from God. The, the Old Testament says, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people, whose people? God's people. God says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and then will I forgive their sin, and will heal their land. I really believe that the only thing, listen to me, the only thing I think that's holding this country up today is the remnant of a few godly people that are praying. One of our godly ladies that hasn't been able to attend church in quite some time. The other day I was out doing something and my phone rang. You ever, you ever been doing something, you're all hot and sweaty, you know, and you just really don't feel like being nice? And my phone rang and I, I took my phone out of my pocket and I looked at it. I didn't recognize the number and, and so the number was local. But a lot of times, especially many of you, if I, if I have your phone number, and if it's in my phone, I put your name with it, so when it pops up, I know it's you calling. This one didn't have a person's name. And I'll be honest with you, when I answered it, I said, hello. But it was more like, hello. And then I heard one of the sweetest voices, pastor. I was just calling to see how you're doing. You know, I felt real good about, about them. There was a chair close by outside where I was at. I sat down. And she began to tell me. She said, I tried to call the church. She said, no one answered. I said, well, that's probably because Brother Kenny was sleeping. Now, I told her, I said, I think he's out running some errands. I think she tried one or two other people, but I think the Lord wanted her to talk to me. Every time I talk to her, she says, Pastor, I pray for you and the church all the time, by name. I really believe that prayer is the answer. That's why we've set aside these times to pray. 
because I really believe that America is already under God's divine sentence. I believe judgment is already starting to be seen. And unlike Israel, I don't, I don't see a whole lot of Americans realizing that it's time to get right with God. To repent. To turn from our wicked ways. See, we've allowed those iron chariots. We've allowed the things, the ways of the Canaanites to cause us as a people to compromise, to settle for the things of this world instead of the things of God. We see it here tonight that we need to, just like Israel, we need to seek the face of the Lord for our nation. Do you love America? What's the alternative? I mean, if we don't have America, what do we have? I mean, we've talked and, you know, sometimes we discuss things and, and honestly, many times we just don't have the answers, but I've had people ask me and I've even looked myself, you know, I, I can't find any evidence of what happens to America in the end times. You ever thought about that? I, I have no no biblical proof of a people, a nation that resembles America. And it really makes me wonder, is America going to go so far? Somebody said to me on the way out the door this morning, Pastor, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for God to get our attention? I wonder, when's America going to wake up? And I think it's time we seek the face of God for our nation. See, they endured the divine sentence of God. And they expressed a deep sorrow. But look at this. They evidenced, even with the deep sorrow, they evidenced a deepening sin. Look what the Bible says here, and it kind of takes us back, but look in chapter 2 of Judges. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord, here it is again, all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath Harris, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now to this point, we've already addressed that. God, this is the second time. God has already shared this with us 
But I want you to notice this deepening sin. Look at verse 11. So that generation is gone. Here's the next generation. The children of Israel did evil in the sight, in the sight of the Lord. They served Balaam. They forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and they served Baal and Ashtaroth. Those are the gods of the Canaanites. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. The word hot there means glowing. It says that God delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about them so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. You know why they could stand before? Because God was with them. God's power was helping them. God's protection was around them. But God had removed his hand. Why? Because they were provoking him. They, they were serving other gods. They were bowing down. God says, there will be no other gods before me. Yet they would, not, they would not obey him. And so the Bible says he delivered them into the hands of their spoilers. He sold them in the, into the hands of their enemies round about them so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Verse 15, whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Wow. How far had they gone? By the time you get to this, these verses here, beginning in verse 11 down to verse number 15, what are you seeing? You're seeing the day that Israel totally walked away from God. I mean, it was complete. Their compromise was a total disregard for God's word and for the will of God. And for this compromise, Israel was paying a terrible price. Judgment had come, and they were suffering the wrath of a holy God. And America today is a nation that also has forgotten God. America today is a people that have rejected his word and are in open defiance of the God who has formed her. Sad, but God is being given lip service publicly. Some declare his name in vain. And those that claim his name deny him by their very works and by their walk. I think of many people, I can name them tonight, that are public figures. That will stand and talk about God and even quote Bible verses. Many times out of context. But their work and their walk oftentimes are a smack in the face of God. 
And this trend, as the Bible tells us, is only going to get worse as time draws on and the days come to an end. Judgment is coming. America is going to pay a terrible price for her transgressions. The Bible says in James 4, Therefore to him that knoweth, that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. See, folks, we know. You know, look, it's even, it's even been said and proven many times that even unsaved people know how Christians should live. See, we're without excuse because God hath revealed himself to us. We who are Christians that have God's spirit living in us, that hold God's word in our hands, we're without excuse. See, I'm not worried about my neighbor tonight. I'm worried about me. I'm worried about the fact that do I care? See, we have the truth of God's word. The question tonight is, what are we doing with it? Somebody said to me this morning something about the message, and I said, please pray for me over these next couple weeks, and I know many of you do pray, but I'm going to tell you something. The devil hates messages like this morning and tonight's message. But I really believe that God wants us as a people to hear what God would have to say as he dealt with a national disaster with the nation of Israel. And here we are on the doorstep of God's judging our nation and our land. And I love America too much that I want to see our nation spared of the coming judgment of God that I believe that has already begun. I, I don't, look, I don't know about you, but when I think about this and I, I think about how gloomy and how, how, how depressing maybe a message like this morning or tonight may be, can I tell you that I am glad for every bit of God's word which really gives us something of hope to end this message on this evening. Because if you look back in verse number 15, the Bible says again that the Lord, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn unto them. Here's the people, they're greatly distressed. But can you look at verse 16 tonight? Look at the first word. What's, what's that first word in verse 16? Nevertheless. Just that word alone, without reading all of verse 16. All that Israel did to God, how they turned their back on God, how they angered God, they provoked God. They served other gods. Nevertheless, do you see the grace of God in that one word? Look at the verse. Nevertheless, the Lord, he didn't have to. They didn't deserve it. Neither do we. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Wow. 
God is good, isn't he? I mean, here they are. They've turned their back on God. But nevertheless, in spite of their failures, God sent these, these heroic leaders. And you know what you find, and we even discussed and saw some of that this morning in Sunday school. As God would raise up a heroic leader in the book of Judges. That leader would do what God had given them to do to help the people of God. And then that leader would pass off and what did Israel do? Go right back into sin. And you know what God did? He raised up another judge. And another judge. And another judge. Time and time again, when I look at that and I see here, you know what that tells me is, unlike me, God is patient. God is merciful. God is long-suffering. I see here how God is loving and He was willing to give Israel, His people, a chance, every chance to set things right. And listen, I'm going to tell you, that's my prayer for America tonight is, is that while God is uh, staying His hand of wrath against us as a nation, that we would see the goodness of God. The mercy and the grace of God, the patience. And instead of abusing it, that we would set things right. That we would be a people one nation under God. That's why we need to pray. We need to pray for our country and pray for our president, pray for those elected officials and pray that God would send revival back to our land one more time. So the question tonight is, we close is this. Will you align yourself with God? Will you look and see how God confronted this national disaster? And pray with me that we as God's people, a nation that God formed, that we would come back to God. Let's bow our heads tonight with our heads bowed. Lord, I want to thank you for the blessing that you have been to our nation for 244 plus years. I think about what I shared this morning about our first president, how he, like many presidents, put his hand on the Bible. I think of some of those presidents since then that do it as a formality, really not believing the very words that their hand was upon when they took the office, the highest office of our land. But God, today and, and since the inception of our country, we're not looking to Washington. We're not looking to the president. God, we're looking to you. God, we beg you. Lord, that you would help us not because we deserve it, but because of your grace. That we would see, that our eyes would be open, that our hearts 
would turn away from the wicked things of this world and come back to you. God, these aren't just words tonight. May we too weep because of the sin that we've allowed to creep into our lives, into the church, into our country. God, if we don't care as your people, we know that the unsaved world will not. There is much at stake. Lord, I pray that you would continue to be patient with us, but I pray that we would turn from our wicked ways. We'd humble ourselves and pray and seek your face so that you will hear from heaven and that you will heal our land. God, we need you as a people, as a nation. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this time of invitation on this Sunday evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand with me?